Hey Worms, I'm Blythe. Welcome to the 15-Minute Book Club Podcast. And for the first book, I'm going to discuss Kindred by Octavia E. Butler. read this book and I've read it about four or five times now I didn't realize it was a science fiction until I started describing it to people and engaging in some active listening but the book is about a young black writer in LA in the late 1970s who just as she's reaching a stable point in her life and career begins to be transported back in time to the antebellum south repeatedly to save a boy who she later learns is her several times great-grandfather and owner of the slave girl who becomes her great-grandmother. So her job, as she sees it, is to keep this boy alive long enough for him to rape the slave girl and produce the child who begins her bloodline or her branch of the family. Throughout the novel, uh, the author explores and Dana's character learns, uh, or she gains firsthand insight into the history of colorism, classism, romantic relationships between blacks and whites, and a carefully constructed hierarchy that ensures that slaves uh, keep working against one another. So I fell in love with this book immediately. I first read it years ago in high school, and like I said, I've read it four or five times since then, or yeah, four or five times since then. I think the reason why I can return to it and still find it interesting is because the themes are still relevant. Uh, People are still doing work like this today and still discussing black people and our relationship to America, the archetypes that were created long ago by European media that stem from slavery. Uh, Recently, we've seen uh, this theme in Dear White People, the Netflix original, and Get Out, the movie by Jordan Peele. I find this book uh, approaches the topic in a unique way because what Olivia Butler has done is just going directly to the source where these black archetypes were created. And she explores through these characters the challenges that brought upon the necessity for them to stick and uh, for the archetypes to stick and a mirror for a system that's still in place today. And she does it through the lens of science fiction. I'm only going to discuss four main characters in the time that we have, but they outline a few of these archetypes. So first I want to talk about uh, Dana, the main character, and her relationship with Kevin. So Dana is a normal black girl. She knows the normal amount of black history, whatever we learned in school, and maybe a few additional things that our parents taught us at home. But she's not written as an over-the-top black character. She's not an African-American studies major. She's not a public activist, even though it's the 70s and the author definitely could have gone that route. Uh, But instead, she's an artist. She's a pretty simple, quiet character, uh, just kind of observing life. She's a writer, so I peg her as very observant. She's not necessarily interested or uninterested in white men, but she has few illusions about race relations, and this does come up because it is 1976. Kevin's character, also very realistic. He's a white man who has happened to fall in love with a black woman and isn't really thinking too much into it. (laughs) Typical. (laughs) Uh, It's not until they discuss marriage that they bring up the issue of their races and their families. 
And obviously Dana is the one to bring it up. And I wanted to read an excerpt from the point where that happens. This is page 109. I looked at him. Just looked for a long moment. Then I looked away because I couldn't think while I was watching him. You uh, don't have any relatives or anything who will give you a hard time about me, do you? As I spoke, it occurred to me that one of the reasons his proposal surprised me was that we had never talked much about our families, about how his will react to mine and mine to him. I hadn't been aware of us avoiding the subject, but somehow we'd never gotten around to it. Even now, he looks surprised. So this is right after they, right after Kevin brings up that he would like to marry her, and uh, they're going to go talk to their families about it <laughs> at Dana's recommendation. But it's the classic million-dollar question, do your parents know I'm black? As though it's her fault or she's the one who's wrong. But I guess the responsibility falls that way because on the grand scale, the black person in the relationship is the one who's considered to be other. Also, keep in mind that it's only 1976. Interracial marriage wasn't legalized until 1967, Loving versus the state of Virginia. But they only have about 10 years of coverage. But why does the scene when they go back home... Uh, to talk to their families feel like a scene from my high school years. I went to high school in the 2000s. It made me think, though, I'm curious to know if millennials bring up this topic earlier, uh, just because it's something that I feel like a lot of people are talking about nowadays or maybe less afraid to approach. Um, I was reading something in the New York Times that said that interracial marriage is on the rise, but marriage between blacks and whites is still pretty low comparatively. But I'm curious about how people are approaching that now. Do people nowadays wait until they're considering marriage to have the race conversation? Do they not have it at all because we're all above that? Is the conversation more dramatic if it's a black-white relationship? Or is it equally dramatic for any two races? And then what about parents? Do they expect it now? And do they expect it to be a fad? Or do they expect the pool to seriously just be more open? I know that for me, I just avoid dating, so I don't confront any of these issues. I just stay at home and talk to my computer. But I've gone out with a few white guys, and some people you can tell just wouldn't be able to handle the social pressure. If I wanted to get to know somebody nowadays, which I do, I have all these questions like, do you feel pressure to marry a white woman? Do you care about that? How do you feel about your kids being biracial? Does my hair make you uncomfortable? But with the whole casual millennial thing I'm barely allowed to ask if we're ever getting together again I guess I should be more concerned with the reply text before I try to delve into these fucking mysteries but enough about me um so this is the couple we're dealing with we know how they feel we we found out how their families feel at this point uh, consistent with what Dana knew to be possible. Shocker for Kevin. But the journey that they go on together in this book is the very thing underlying every single relationship between blacks and whites, romantic or otherwise. Imagine the opportunity to take your spouse on a lovely honeymoon to the antebellum south. 
do you, Kevin, vow to hold me down in a world where we have to fight to be together, a world that has decided that I, your partner, is far less important than you are, a world where we have to take each other's sides continuously despite what people think, even the people closest to us? Did I judge you correctly when I got my hair wet in the shower for you, or was it all for nothing? I'm talking about the antebellum South, but I'm also talking about last week. I mean, it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. I shouldn't say that. I'd like to discuss Rufus's character next, specifically his adult years where we get to see how his childhood relationship with Dana may have shaped him and, and also what he's forced to keep from his time. So Rufus and Dana's relationship is a classic textbook abuse situation. He beats her. He controls her. He misery loves companies her. He makes promises he doesn't keep. Uh, he decides when they're playing by the rules or aren't, and that's called manipulation. And he does a lot of this without getting his hands dirty, and if he needs it to go away, he just apologizes and that buys him a little more time. Rufus's story is that he's in love with Alice, a slave girl who he grew, who he grew up with, who he later comes to own. I do think that his love for Alice shapes him as well as his relationship with Dana, but I think that... Uh, the sort of relationship that Alice and Rufus have was common between slave owners and their slaves. Not only lust, but love in a lot of cases. And because of that, I don't think that Alice alone could have been as significant a determiner of his future personality outcome and actions. I think that it took the combination of love, lust, and respect, which he needed both Alice and Dana for. Part of the reason why Rufus despises Kevin is because Kevin has something that Rufus will never have, and that's reciprocal love. And it stings even more because Dana and Alice are both black women. Kevin and Dana are making that dynamic work, and Rufus knows that that could never be in his time. So he's resentful of that. Now, romantic feelings and all, Rufus is, Rufus is a product of his time, and that product is a racist. I know that there are a lot of people who think that lust and love cancel out racism, but that's not true. Just because you wanted to fuck someone at some point who looked different than you, that doesn't cancel out racism. Now, let's say it's not just lust, because in Rufus's case, it is love. You meet a person, it goes beyond sexual interest. You're interested in this person's ideas, their hobbies, their quirks. This person happens to belong to a group of people you think less of. That's not unique. That's just what happens in love. The one person you love is the greatest person of all time. It doesn't change the fact that you don't give a fuck about the rest of everybody else or that you think that they're lazy or ignorant or whatever your ideas may be. I think that these feelings are able to exist side by side because humans are complex and emotions are complex. And that's, I don't want to say that that's okay, but that's real. And I think that that's uh, when some people start to reflect or it's an opportunity to reflect or alternatively they lash out like Rufus. Now, I can't place all of the blame on Rufus. It's an entire nation. He's only one man. But I do like this character because it's complex in that way. He has what's around him every day, the plantation, but he also has love with Alice and respect with Dana. Then later when he takes an interest in his own slave children, I'm sure that that adds a whole other level of reflection. 
uh, because uh, children change your life in ways that I can't fully articulate because I don't have kids, but I'm sure you think about things differently because you didn't have kids before you had kids. Uh, last but definitely not least, Alice. Alice is emotionally light-skinned, and I'll just leave it there because I'm out of time. <laughs> but I do have a few quick questions before I go. Um, number one, do you think that do you think that original that Dana's original purpose for traveling to this time was the purpose that she and Kevin came up with, or was it another purpose? And I ask because after Hagar is born, she still remains there until Rufus is dead. Uh, also, do you think that Kevin would eventually remarry to a white woman, or do you think that he would stay unmarried? And a related book recommendation, if you like this book, there was a book, another book I read in high school called Is Marriage for White People? It's by Ralph Richard Banks. Uh, it explore, it <laughs> explores, it, explore, it explores the depressing topic of why black women are single. And if you read the Wikipedia, it sounds like he's blaming black women, but the book really does not read that way. Uh, he actually, it's actually a very honest account from several black women who have found themselves debating the topic of whether or not to date outside of their race. And next week on my nightstand, I'm going to talk about Steve Martin, uh, specifically Shop Girl. Um, I, may dis- I may reference an object of beauty. So just read both. Steve.